Hello, and welcome to Kraken Cryptids and Curios. This is Matt, once again joined at the hip by the hippest hipster I know, Angel. This week, Angel, we got news. Not just any news, but the news. As an aside, and yes, I'm three sentences into my opening monologue and am already breaking off into something else. But I saw a tweet from like 2017, I think it was, where a guy said, it took me 19 years to figure out news stands for notable events, weather, and sports. And Merriam-Webster tweeted back at the dude with a one-word response. No! <laughs> Upon reading such an utter annihilation of a man, it made my mouth curl up at the slightest of angles as air gently blew out my nose. It was enjoyable, as they say. Anyways... We had so much fun with our <laughs> We had so much fun with our news wrap-up mini season that we decided, hey, let's not shoehorn the news onto our proverbial feet anymore. Let's have some dedicated time to let those news shoes breathe. We can break them in, walk around and see how they fit. How do your news shoes fit, Angel? <laughs> If it's just dandy. You got clown new shoes? <laughs> I did. I did. Are you in the are you reading the funny pages? <laughs> These proverbial news shoes will be of all different shapes, sizes, and styles. We may be trying on news shoes that detail paranormal phenomena, or news shoes that are about how people for some reason keep designing artificial intelligences <laughs> that are going to inherently make our lives worse. Even news shoes that are about your favorite thing, Angel. Aliens. Truly, we have endless pairs of news shoes. Not news shoes, news shoes to try on. But do you have a certain news shoe that you like to try on? Maybe news shoes about lizardmen or time travelers? Yes. Paranormal stuff. That is, as you said... I, I include aliens under that. You know, my favorite. Oh. you you So, you would make aliens paranormal? Yeah, who wouldn't? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Before we get into showing off our four favorite news shoes, I have something special for you, Angel. I know you have been dying to talk about it, and since we have a moment, I thought... There's never a better chance than now, in this exact moment, to do what we in the biz call cross-pollination. Do you know what I am about to bring up, Angel? Oh yes, we talked about this uh, recently, so I definitely know exactly the thing that you are now going to talk about. The thing I am going to talk about right now is, I mentioned earlier that you are the hippest hipster I know, but that was a colossal lie, which... I am not sorry for, it just was just a way to have a few H words in a row before I said your name. Literally, none of those words correctly describe you. But there is one H word that describes you to a T. Now, a funny thing about the phrase to a T is it is an idiom of unknown origins that dates back to the 1600s, meaning perfectly, completely, or exactly if you didn't know, Angel, some people suspect to a T refers to crossing the letter T, but there is a separate 
possibly better variant that alludes to meat being turned on a spit until it is cooked to the proper degree. What do you think about that? I mean, anything's possible, really. I'm all for it. I love spits, and I love cooking. You love meats, you love crossing teas, you love it all. I digress. The H word that describes you, of course, is hustler. Several episodes ago, I brought up one of your side hustles that, quite frankly, was almost the end of you. Without a doubt, I am speaking of your earth juice concoction. Since you were unable to convincingly describe how the source of your earth juice was either a meat, fruit, or vegetable that juice was able to be extracted from, you got shut down by the government. Just like how lungs cannot be sold for human consumption in America, so goes earth juice. But, being the hustler that you are, you pivoted earth juice from a heavily oversaturated alternative drink market to that of a more niche candy fruit snack market in the form of your newest product, Earth Gushers. Of course, after a quick cease and desist from Betty Crocker for the use of the word gushers in relation to your fruit juice candy, you pivoted once again to naming them Earth Geysers. I have to ask, how are your Earth Geysers doing? Full transparency, they're not doing as good as we had hoped here at uh, Earth Geyser Industries. What kind of flavors do you have so far, though? Uh, well, we have a bunch of flavors. The problem is they all taste the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of the issues we're having, and a lot of complaints. We've gotten a lot of complaints. <laughs> we tell them, we tell our customers, "Hey, if you just close your eyes, it'll taste like the thing," but they don't, they don't listen. Just close your eyes and think of something else as you eat it. <laughs> I I've actually heard there is a rumor that you have been just buying gushers in bulk melting them in a microwave, and then placing them in a different style mold to then resell. Is there any truth to this? Absolutely not. These allegations are ludicrous, and I will take anyone to court who claims otherwise. Even Betty Crocker. Even Betty Crocker. Knowing knowing where you went wrong with Earth Juice, why should we expect Earth Geysers to be any better? Well, because, you know, we learn from our failures, and, and through failures is how we improve upon ourselves. Earth Geysers is like uh, Web 3.0. You know, we improve upon <laughs> Web 2.0 uh-huh. and Web 1.0. Like, nobody uses 1 anymore. And 2, that's a thing of the past. I'm bringing in <laughs> essentially the Web you're pretty 4. Much, you're pretty much Web 4. 4, exactly, <laughs> of the Earth Geyser mm-hmm. community. Everything is apps and Earth, earth Gushers. Yep. Earth Gushers comes with an app. It doesn't work, but there's one. Well, we're working on that, too. You know, we're iterating, as, as they say in the... In the... Uh-huh. I mean, there's a lot of synergy. It's it's disruptive. It's creative, you know. Innovative, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we, uh, we're mission critical, all that yeah, stuff. I mean, yeah, with those words, I don't know how it can't cannot work. <laughs> like, it has to. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. In in my last question, in the candy world, there is a phrase, your white whale flavor. That flavor that just keeps eluding you, and you can't concoct the right formula to get it right. What is your white whale flavor? The the one flavor that we can't get right. It's apparently all of them. Well, <laughs> well 
we've had minor successes. Let's just put it that way. But we cannot get the flavor of water. <laughs> if only. <laughs> if only the earth juice was water. It could have worked. <laughs> There's Instead of the uh, the rumors, I, I believe I heard was it was just uh, industrial runoff. There's a lot of nuance in the in the in the flavor of water, flavor profile. Well, we'll see how this one pans out. But for now, why don't we turn our attention to some notable events, weather, and sports? I just need you to do one thing for me, Angel. Put yourself in the shoes of a newsie. The news shoes of a newsie at the turn of the 20th century. You're probably around 12 years old. Have on what almost goes without saying a newsboy hat. You got your stockings and knee pants on, your best outer jacket, and you dropped out of school to sell newspapers. That's all that's going going for you. You aren't very educated, so as a newsie, you make up your own slang to hawk newspapers to passerbys. I need your best newsy impression to sell our curiosities, the news, using at least four newsy slang terms. Go. Okay. Hello, curiosities. This is my attempt to hawk the news to you all. So to reiterate, this episode is special. We got extras. No need to blow it in. This one is free of charge. We comment on weird and strange news, much to your liking, but don't be dreaming through a pipe. We ain't changed our format. How's that? I mean, I think you you made it at least to 14 years old before you dropped out. <laughs> Eighth grade, maybe? I don't know. With that being said, are you ready? Well, if I wasn't, you'd give me a licking. Uh, that was a, that That's on me <laughs> to let you talk as a newsie. <sighs> the first article of our four... Our first news shoe that we're trying on <laughs> comes from the beginning of May and is what nightmares are made of, Angel. It is a very short one, but dang it, it punches you right in the face and then sells you a newspaper. <laughs> Coming from, believe it or not, MSN.com, it is titled, Woman Bangs on Coffin Lid to Stop Her Own Funeral. It reads, Rosa Isabel Cespede Cayasa was being laid to rest in Peru last week when she started banging on the lid of her coffin. Stunned relatives opened it and found her alive with her eyes open. Kayasa was quickly transferred to to hospital. <laughs> Not to a hospital, just to hospital. <laughs> and put on a life support machine, but her condition soon deteriorated and she passed away a few hours later. Kayasa was presumed dead after being involved in a serious car crash last month, and her outraged relatives now want to know why the mistake was made. <clears throat> the wording of that is off a little bit. It almost seems like the, the car crash was a mistake, <laughs> but <laughs> I digress. An, unar- uh, an unarmed, an unnamed aunt said, <laughs> unarmed, we want to know why my niece reacted yesterday when we were taking her to be buried. And that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it, Angel. We have a woman who was in a horrific car crash, pronounced dead, made it all the way to the funeral, and woke up in her coffin to only die hours later. I mean, what the heck do you make of this? Well, I mean, first of all, the unnamed aunt seems very calm about her her dead niece, correct? Yes. 
that she's like why did she react this way why'd she react this way like, like what do you mean she was dead shouldn't you be a little bit more alarmed why did her dead corpse move like why did like there's either a reaction of why did her dead body move or why was she alive and in a coffin but she, she didn't seem too concerned in yeah, the way that she's quoted very calm very formal i along the way in researching this i watched the video of what is allegedly happening, and while it is compelling, it also doesn't quite show anything occurring besides the coffin being carried, placed onto the bed of a truck, and you can see a woman inside it. She's not moving, the best I can tell in the grainy footage. There are a bunch of people standing or walking around, and it is somewhat chaotic, but what do you think of that video, Angel? As evidence, do you think it proves what is being reported here? Um, I wouldn't say it proves it. We don't really see any activity coming from the coffin. I was expecting to see like a woman sitting up mm-hmm. and just looking around or something. Maybe she's just laying there, and and maybe more commotion from the people. I'm trying to like. Well, this leads into my next question. Put yourselves in the shoes of someone in this situation. First, we'll go with the mourners at the funeral. Like this is presumably your relative and. They're waking up in their coffin after you've gone through the like the processing of knowing that they're now dead. Yeah, I I'd be pretty much in hysterics, throwing things around. <laughs> Maybe trying to, if I was nowhere near the coffin, I'd be trying to run towards the coffin to like pull them out and be like, they're alive. Get out of the coffin, yeah. Like, <laughs> yay! They're trying to feed them earth gushers, <laughs> earth geysers. I'm sorry. Now put yourself in the shoes of the person. In the coffin. What the heck's going through your mind? <laughs> well, at that moment, I was either dead or asleep or something. I'm going to be disoriented no matter what. Presumably, your last memory was the car crash. And now you're waking up inside a box. Yeah, that's a... Uh, I would think, even after a few moments, that maybe I should be in a hospital. What is... Why am I in a box? <laughs> <laughs> How does a hospital botch a death diagnosis like this? Seemingly, she was in a coma post-car accident. What do you think happened here? Do you think it's likely it was a coma? I mean, I'm no medical expert, but apparently neither are those people that handled it. The medical experts, yeah. (laughs) I mean, how how do you not notice the person's in a coma? I, I don't know what could possibly cause somebody to just be like, uh... That's not even... Yeah, I I feel like there have to be (laughs) certain procedures that you follow to go through the process of declaring somebody dead. D-E-D, dead, Angel, (laughs) and they didn't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Here's where things get a bit weird for me, Angel. I just can't shake the validity of this story. For some reason, I don't know exactly why. Each time I saw the article... I think was when I started to question that validity, as it was pretty much the same thing word for word for word, just copy and pasted over and over ad nauseum. The source listed was always quite dubious sounding, and in fact, the MSN.com article is listed in the entertainment section of their website, and they source a place called bangshowbiz.com. When I look into that, it is all celebrity gossip news. I'm sure you've heard of this one, Angel, being a connoisseur of celebrity gossip. Of course. Bang distri- describes itself as 
Bang Showbiz is the world's premier entertainment news agency providing the most exciting celebrity news to online, print, and broadcast media outlets across the globe. And going to Bang... I can't... Let me rephrase that. Going to Bang.com... Uh, bangshowbiz.com, not Bang.com. I cannot find the article on there at all. So I don't know what is even going on here. Why Bang Showbiz is even reporting on this, why they don't have the article on there anymore. It did tell me that the founder of Bang Showbiz used to be an editor at The Sun. When I read that, I thought, well, let's take a gander at The Sun. I located a version on their site, which The Sun is one of the UK's least trusted news sources. In fact, they have pretty much the same cut-and-paste version of the story as all the other websites do, but they also botch it in one area where they report the woman as being 36 years old, but then in a different part of the article say her age is unreported. What the hell is that, Angel? (laughs) Well, I mean, I've noticed the decline in online journalism a lot lately, (laughs) and this is is no different. It's... It's expected at this point. <laughs> if there isn't glaring grammar and logical issues in a in an online news article, I assume an AI wrote it. <laughs> One thing the Sun article added, however, was that the original car crash occurred in Lambayek, Peru, on the region Chicleu PC Road. Since I didn't really get anything new from the sun, I searched for Lambayek car crash and found a link to oddityscentral.com, which we have seen some articles from on the show before. And in their article, they link to a Laver Dad article, which is a Venezuelan news site. At this point, I'm like, God damn, <laughs> I need to be near the source of this, of this thing. I have to be getting closer to the original source. I feel at this point, Angel, I am your boy, Sir Walter Raleigh, William Shakespeare himself, allegedly, and I am looking for goddamn El Dorado over here. <laughs> but this freaking Law or Dad article then mentions La Republica in a quote saying the woman had a heartbeat of five. Five? Off to, uh, five. <laughs> Off to La Republica, I go, which is actually a Peruvian newspaper and has a reporting date of April 29th for the story. So at this point, April 29th is the earliest version of this news report I'm able to find. And once I get to La Republica, I am no longer Sir Walter Raleigh. I now feel like an H.P. Lovecraft character who has seen the incomprehensible visage of an elder god because this article states the strange case occurred on april 26th in the province of chiclayu in northern peru so is chiclayu a province or a goddamn road i don't know wikipedia says lambayek is a city on the coast of northern peru and capital of the homonymous district and province in the department of lambayek it is located 4.7 kilometers from the city of chiclayu so now chiclayu is a city, and Lambayek is both a city and province. The wiki for Chiclayu states, Chiclayu is the principal city in the Lambayek region in northern Peru. So it's a province, a city, maybe a road, I don't know. (laughs) I have no earthly idea anymore, but all I do know is that whoever figures whatever the hell is going on, it will open a goddamn Hellraiser Lemurchan puzzle box and unleash the Cenobites to flay your skin, I think, at this point. So don't try to unravel it all. 
La Republica quotes an unknown person, stating, We want to know why my niece reacted yesterday, taking her, taking her to bury her. There we have the videos where she pushes the drawer, and I think drawer is a translation error, and then it goes on, and she touches it. We took her to the hospital, and she arrived with a pulse of five. So we want to know if my niece was in a coma during her wake, exclaimed the uncle of the medical malpractice victim. It was the aunt earlier. <laughs> However, all the, all the freaking articles attribute this being said by aunt of the woman. As I'm reading this, I'm like, fine, whatever. I, I don't care anymore. I hate it. <laughs> These little details just keep getting jacked up. But maybe I'm near the end, I think to myself. I get to the end of the Law of Republica article, Angel, and it says, apparently, according to information from InfoBay, she would have been disconnected by medical personnel who did not properly review her case. What the hell is InfoBay? <laughs> and it's Bay as in B-A-E Bay. <laughs> and if Law of Republica mentioned InfoBay, presumably that has to be their source for the story since they already released information on it before them. So... I find whatever the hell InfoBay is, which seems to be a news site originating from Argentina, but here we are, to the best of my abilities, I believe InfoBay is the original article which claims Rosa Isabel Suspedes Cayasa had died in a tragic accident on Chicleu PC Road in Lambayeque. So, still no clue where the accident occurred, and at this point there are so many offshoots from this article. I'm just assuming she crashed in two different cities because it's easier to comprehend these different naming places of what is going on. It then further states, Rosa Suspedes had been reported as deceased on April 25th at the Lambayeque Regional Hospital after suffering a traffic accident, where her brother-in-law, Luis Rodriguez, also lost his life, while her three children are still struggling to survive. Other agencies, however report that rather than her children they were her three nephews so again what the hell here's the thing angel that i just don't get the car accident occurred on or before april 25th that part isn't exactly clear but the info bay article states that she was reported at least deceased on april 25th by the afternoon of the 26th she's already being brought to the cemetery to be buried all the while, her three sons or nephews are struggling to survive, as the article states. Does this not seem odd to you as well? The quick turnaround when her own possible children can't attend the funeral for their mother or aunt. Yeah, she, yeah she's presumed dead on the same day that the accident supposedly happened or maybe happened the day before. Possibly, yep. But... <clears throat> and then it's being buried less than 24 hours later. Yeah. So what happened? What what did the the, the hospital or, or the medical professionals do that they were just like, yeah, dead. Move along. I don't know. Unless she was decapitated. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> One of my first thoughts was, well, if she woke up, then clearly they did not prepare the body for burial. As in she wasn't embalmed because that would presume they took organs out and shit but since she's was alive for a moment we know that did not happen so lo and behold from the u.s embassy in peru i found a report entitled disposition of remains 2021 report within that document it says 
maximum period of interment under Peruvian law, embalmed remains may remain unburied for as long as necessary. Unembalmed remains, however, must be interred within 24 hours after death, if the body is to be interred in Peru. So by this information, it seems the rush to bury the body was because the law requires it if the body is not embalmed. Now here's the kicker, Angel. Do you think this was done possibly intentionally by the medical staff, or was this an honest mistake? Well, I don't know why this would be done intentionally. I don't. I can't think of a reason why this would be intentional. I do wonder how they determine if the body is to be embalmed or not. Like, is there? Do they have like you know how mm-hmm. we have IDs that say donate organs, organs or yeah? Do they say embalm me when I die, <laughs> or else bury me freaking fast? Bury me super fast. <laughs> Get Sonic the Hedgehog to bury me because I'm I need to go under now. One of the reasons that um, I posed the question of it could possibly have been intentional, some of the claims in the 6,000 different ways that this is reported indicated that the medical facility believed Rosa wouldn't be able to pay for a lengthy stay, which could explain the brash decision to unhook life support. Is that a possibility in your opinion? I mean, I guess it's a possibility if I want to be super cynical Mm -hmm. and, and believe that. medical professionals uh, are not to be trusted. Your arch enemy, the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) But do you think this law could facilitate similar occurrences of people being wrongly diagnosed as being, you know, dead and being buried alive? Well, I mean, now that I've heard about this, I don't see why not. How many of them, how many people have been buried under a coma and then they just die because they wake up? Especially if if you're required, if you don't embalm the body to bury it within 24 hours. On the flip side of that, though, you'd be murdering the person to embalm them. Yeah. (laughs) So so either, yeah, either Either one's horrible. I mean, they're getting murdered either way, right? Because they're dying in the coffin (laughs) when they wake up or, or if they ever wake up Mm -hmm. or you, you know, you're removing organs and killing them there. I, I ended up asking Pliny the digital had to get his word in on this. If he had heard of this, and I was I was <laughs> blown away by his response. He stated, Rosa did something that was illegal, but she had no intention of telling anyone. What? And I thought, curious. I asked further <laughs> about what the illegal activity was, and, and I was really dreading his response. But he said that Rosa was using her money to buy drugs. <laughs> I didn't like what Pliny was accusing this woman of any longer. So I stopped asking directly about her, scolded him for his dumb AI response, and asked if he had heard of anyone else being buried alive. He said he knew of a man in the 1700s who was buried alive in the woods. Pliny the Digital gave me the name of John Coffey of Ireland was the one buried. And I asked, stupidly, what happened next? (laughs) Pliny stated the body was brought to the bottom of a lake to meet a fish. Because why not? (laughs) <laughs> Pliny, Pliny goes on that the man was scared, presumably of being buried alive, but he did not elaborate at all. At this point, Pliny went on to say something even more insane, as he said the fish was supposed to revive him, as John apparently died somewhere along the way, maybe in the coffin, I don't know. But then, I don't know how Pliny knew the man was scared if John was already dead. 
when he made it to the lake, <laughs> the, there are some plot holes in the story. But what do you make of Pliny's story? I know Pliny never to be wrong about things. So, so John Coffey of Ireland, <laughs> I'm sorry you got buried in the woods and were brought to a fish to get revived. He never told me if the fish worked. <laughs> oh, and I didn't. I also asked the. I asked Pliny what what was the name of the fish trying to get some more information. I tried to uh, get him to say it was in Lake Champlain, but he never said that. <laughs> um, but he said the name of the fish was lobster. And I was like, I'm, I'm done, Pliny. <laughs> lobster the fish? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So I don't know if Pliny's feeling too well anymore. We haven't talked to him in a while. He might be angry. <laughs> Overall, do you think... The Rosa story is a real story or not? I think there's a real story hidden underneath all of the misinformation and misreporting. And quite frankly, I think the story lies within the medical personnel and and how they handle mm-hmm. the situation. Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the fence here. I think there's something that's occurred, but the severe deviations of the way that this was reported just detail after detail after detail has changed and it's like well how far removed it was like a game of telephone being reported mm-hmm. all the way down to msn.com on the flip side though i did not find this article anywhere on on what we call reputable news <laughs> sources um so i don't know if that has too much of an impact on what's going on here but are you saying msn is not reputable they had it in their entertainment section, so <laughs> I don't know what exactly that means. I also don't know why. I, I truly do not know why it's in the entertainment section, or why the celebrity gossip people were reporting on it. It's like what a fun story! Someone comes back from the dead. Ah, <laughs> uh, our second news article here. I found on unexplainedmysteries.com and thought it was an interesting enough one to spotlight. It is titled, Iowa Professor Once Suggested Blowing Up the Moon. <laughs> How about that, Angel? Sounds like something from Austin Powers. Was it really Dr. Evil in disguise the whole time? <laughs> the article reads, in part, The act of destroying the moon was put forward as a way to solve many of our planet's problems. Back in 1991, Alexander Abian, a mathematics professor at the Iowa State University, put forward what he called the moonless earth theory. In it, he suggested that destroying our lunar neighbor could provide a range of advantages that would benefit our lives here on Earth. The basis for this idea was that doing so would eliminate the planet's wobble and the seasons along with it, thus ensuring stable weather and removing extreme winds, blizzard, droughts, and more. To achieve such a feat, he suggested drilling a hole in the lunar surface and planting a nuclear device deep down in the moon's interior. The idea is, of course, quite preposterous, not least due to the insurmountable damage it would likely do to the world's climate and wildlife. On top of this, blowing up the moon would likely send huge amounts of lunar debris raining down upon us and could even destabilize Earth's orbit around the sun. It's also, at least for now, completely impractical and sounds more like a diabolical plan of a James Bond villain than something that would ever be done with the expectation of a positive outcome. In other words... It's a definite hard pass on this one, the author writes. Question, Angel, is the moon real? I've got a lot of theories about it, and I want to say the moon is partially real. What the? How is the moon partially real? What do you mean by that? 
Well, I think I think the moon that we see is real, but the moon that we don't see probably not real. Where's the moon we don't see? Well, the other side of the moon. I don't think I don't think it's a, a sphere as people want us to believe. I think it's, it's a, a flat. It's, it's a flat it's disc. A flat disc. Yes. That's um, projecting onto the sky. What's our sky? Well, it's behind the moon. How's it projecting to our sky? <laughs> Not not like the way it looks, how it appears in our sky. Oh, so is it like flattened and from our perspective, I guess horizontal? So it's so thin that's why we don't see it. Sure, I like that idea. <laughs> is it the is it the Star Trek uh, way of traveling? Even though it's a three D space, they're always going in a straight line, <laughs> like regardless of yes. whatever <laughs> scenario they find themselves in. They don't go up or down; they always go straight or yep. backwards. Yep. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Uh, that always pissed me off about Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> a uh, a Gaia.com article states, In 1970, two Soviet astronomers had been studying the satellite and theorized that it was likely a hollow moon put in place by a highly advanced extraterrestrial race. Their theory was based on observable anomalies, claiming the moon was an artificial shell that had been inhabited internally for years. If the moon is not an alien construction, what is it? A natural construction. <laughs> what would be the point of an of a alien hollow moon? I honestly don't know. I'm I saw you telling me two astronomers, and I'm like, these people like God, anyone could be an astronomer, huh? I suppose two Soviet astronomers. I don't know what that means, but uh, oh. some of the brilliant, most brilliant minds came from the Soviet. So I suppose the idea is that it's hollow, so that they can just be inside it, just be to, inside it to do things to it's us. Like, it's like a, it's like a surprise cake. Like they pop out of it. It's like hey, it's like a Trojan horse, I guess. Like a sh- uh, stripper cake. <laughs> stripper cake. But it's an alien moon. <laughs> But th- I guess they're biding their time. I don't know. What are they waiting for? But we know they're in there. Why don't we just freaking drill in and 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 shoot them? <laughs> I want to know what these observable anomalies are, and how 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 does how do you view an observable anomaly and then jump to the conclusion that this was artificially created by aliens, mm-hmm. and that the moon is hollow? Like I don't know. How do you explain that? I, I don't know how you'd make that leap. <laughs> it's a quantum leap. <laughs> With Scott back. The source of the moon blowing up article is iflscience.com, which seems to be a science news aggregator. They link to a 1991 article from People Magazine, Angel, which I'm sure you have right by your side at this very moment. In that article, they have a quote from Abion, which reads, I am raising the petulant finger of defiance to the solar organization for the first time in five billion years, the professor declares. Those critics who say dismiss Abian's ideas are very close to those who dismissed Galileo. What do you make of this claim overall, Angel? Is Abian's suggestion even to be considered? Of course not. (laughs) Are are you one of those Galileo folks? (laughs) I'm one of those anti-Galileo folks, according to him, right? Well, I love how he he positions himself like, 
I'm in the same place well, that Galileo was. I, I've known people that do that, and those people tend to not turn out uh, all that. Right uh, correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a guy who had um uh, like names of of tech people, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, and then oh, the, yeah. the, the last one was his name. Oh, <laughs> putting himself in some mighty fine uh, company there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, last I heard, their company went under. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I I found an astronomy.com article that details what if the moon just outright disappeared, what would actually occur? The article states the moon also holds Earth's 23.5 degree tilt fairly steady. Without that steadying hand, Earth would wobble much more, dramatically affecting the planet's seasons and climate. Everything we know about the seasons would be completely out of whack, says Paul Sutter, astrophysicist at the Flatiron Institute. At a certain angle, some places on the planet would hardly ever see the sun at all, and others the sun would be overhead for months on end. The change in Earth's tilt would happen gradually, though, so we wouldn't notice it instantly or likely even within our lifetime. But for animals that have evolved over millions of years to live in sync with seasons, it might be hard for them to adapt even over what would seem to us be a long time scale. So, the weather wouldn't be perfect for everyone. For some, it's gonna get real shitty, Angel. I saw some people liken this to Game of Thrones weather timeline, which I know you haven't seen, where seasons such as winter last for years in certain areas. If the moon just disappeared, how do you think it would affect day-to-day life? I'm no scientician, but <laughs> I think it would... As you drink out of your moonshine jug? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm you know, we always hear about the moon and how it controls the, the tides. Mm-hmm. So that's going to screw things up. I'm fairly certain it's going to affect women's monthly cycles somehow. <laughs> I also know that probably, I, I mean, in as a positive, I guess, this would rid the world of all werewolves. <gasps> you know, in, in, um, in Dragon Ball, um, when Goku, when he, one of his abilities as a Saiyan is that he, when he sees the full moon, grows into a giant ape. A great mm-hmm. ape, Angel. And in one of the tournaments, Master Roshi disguised as Jackie Jackie Chan, I think is I think is what the name he goes by, Jackie Chan. Um, that uh, he shoots the moon. He destroys the moon. Oh, no. <laughs> to save the world from Goku. Eventually, like the moon comes back and it's not really explained why. <laughs> <laughs> but I think later on Piccolo destroys the moon again, so does that the moon, moon, you can't stop it. <laughs> just respawn after certain yeah, intervals. It just, it just comes back. It reforms. <laughs> if we're going by Dragon Ball Z logic. Well, that's the kind of logic I stand behind. More so than Abion. <laughs> and is no moon earth theory. Abion is suggestion we blow the damn thing up, though. The side effect that I don't see him commenting all, though, is the problem of the heat huge chunks of moon rock that will most likely come hurling down upon our heads would this not just kill everything on the planet and maybe that was his plan like we are so far gone as a species we don't deserve to keep on going if he was that cynical so here we have a super villain logic where in order to destroy all life on earth you're going to destroy the moon and hope 
that all of its moon chunks fall onto the earth <laughs> and I kill mean, everybody. Would not that, that be a horrible way to die by moon chunk? <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't seem practical. Like, I'm sure there's a more efficient way to get rid of the people on the planet than destroying the moon. I also feel like you'd have to have a shit ton of... He wants to nuke the thing, put nuclear bombs inside it, like, like freaking Armageddon, Armageddon with asteroids. <laughs> um, but how you need a lot of nuclear devices, I think, to blow up the moon, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I would think so, yes. And drill? drill? Well, if the moon's hollow, though, you maybe don't have to drill too far. <laughs> I ended up asking Pliny the Digital what would happen, and he just outright said that the Earth would collapse. <laughs> it would just collapse. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Do you think that's reasonable? Is is does that mean the Earth is hollow? <laughs> it's gonna collapse into um, King Kong's world in the middle of the Earth. <laughs> I don't know. I'm starting to uh, to doubt Pliny the Digital's knowledge. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm starting to think. Planet the digital was a mistake. <laughs> I honestly, I do not see anyone taking his suggestion seriously. I don't even know if he did. So I am going to put you in the shoes of parallel universe Alexander Abian. Instead of the moon, what other things should we blow up to save the world? The oceans. Just evaporate them. Yes. Would that be a bad thing? Of course not. <laughs> I, I can't imagine it would have any impact. We just don't have oceans. Yeah, it's just. I mean, all, who needs all that salt water anyway? Yeah, who who needs all that uh, that water collecting the heat? <laughs> we'll just put we it just, in the land, and then we just wait till the glaciers melt, and then and that fill it. Yeah, uh-huh. and then in the meantime, we can get all the bar- all the sunken treasure that has fallen into the ocean. Exactly, we can mm-hmm. find all the shipwrecks, collect their metals, so we can make profit. And then die <laughs> because their world doesn't have any more oceans. <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, how do you rank blowing up the moon? One being good, ten being the worst. Uh, ten, ten, ten. ten. <laughs> worst. Blind to the digital ranked it a nine, so I guess he sees a sliver of good in blowing up the moon. Just, just a little bit. He's like, ah, it's, there's something worse than blowing up the moon. Oh man. So that's it for moon blowing up. I was guided to an article about a woman who killed her child and blamed it on a voodoo spell. But that's pretty much all it was. That mention of the voodoo spell and everything else is just a, a, you know, woman gets arrested and whatever. So I think that's just. And it's pretty dark, dark too. Yeah. And it's just typical. Like I've seen other stories where it's like a woman blames it on somebody when no, there was nobody. It was just her. Mm-hmm. Um, another one I came across wasn't so much news, but it was an interesting. It was a a write up on an interesting blip in history, which details two experiments that were performed to find out if psychics used ELF waves, extremely low frequency waves. This is interesting to note because the experiment was asking if psychics used ELF waves. With the presumption being that psychics work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, the- <laughs> by your giggle, I'm saying you don't think so. <laughs> I'm not going to say yes or no. I am going to tell you, though, that the way they did this experiment was that they had to do it in a submarine deep in the ocean. What? 
because ELF waves can penetrate through water uh, up to a certain depth. So they have to be deep in the ocean so that they wanted to make sure they can rule out ELF waves from being used by the psychics. So what they did was they got the, 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 the uh, country's top two remote viewers and had them locate a shipwreck from within the submarine. Sunken treasure. And they succeeded. What? Yeah. And apparently it was done. This was recorded. This is all on a TV show. It was recorded for a TV show. The whole article was just kind of writing all this out. And then it, 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 what I liked about this, the end of this article was that it said, there is very little to no ambiguity and there is almost nothing for skeptics to contest. Case closed, I guess. Remote viewing exists. <laughs> There's too much evidence, Angel. You can't, you can't, can't disagree with it. <laughs> so I just thought that that article was kind of funny because it went on to talk about psychics using ELF to the end being remote viewing is a thing. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, well, how is that the same thing as psychics? I don't know. It just it didn't sit right with me. So are they arguing that these psychics use remote viewing I, as like a, a way of doing their psychic powers yeah apparently the idea is that the remote viewing they they they're using some other mode of being able to view uh, see things and and it's not elf so at least we can rule that out i want to be in the shoes of the submarine owner where people come up to you and say we need to use your submarine to <laughs> test the psychics That's our top psychics. two psychics in the country the they're coming on your submarine to remote view sunken ships do you say no i don't think you can i wouldn't i mean you have to go you have to follow that that story yep. see how it pans out and it leads to you're the submarine owner that led to proving remote viewing yeah, that's why every everyone... little footnote in history. <laughs> it's just accepted throughout all science. Accepted knowledge now, <laughs> because you offered your submarine to be used. <laughs> Speaking of psychics, though, this is what uh, I found finally landed on these articles that I chose a theme on. Some themed news shoes. Some themed news shoes. Yes, it's about ghost hunting. Something I don't think I've ever talked about. So this first article is titled woman stalked by ghost that dragged her downstairs become spirit hunter i'm going to do this a little differently because before i read this article i want to state that the headline makes it sound as if this occurred like this is the news like the woman was stalked by a ghost and she became a ghost uh hunter or spirit hunter but in reality the article is details the origins of this already experienced spirit hunter who runs her own ghost hunting business so it starts off with a woman who was stalked for an entire year by a troubled spirit that dragged her down the stairs has told how she became a ghost hunter debbie mccall 51 even met the love of her life after facing her fears who she now takes on paranormal dates when you think when you hear paranormal dates, do you think uh, they're going on a date to do some paranormal stuff, or are the dates themselves like paranormal? I think it's a date like, like babe, we're going out to a sane asylum to um, <laughs> hope that there aren't homeless people there so we can hunt for ghosts. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's yeah. Um, I I'd like to imagine that they would be going on paranormal dates themselves. Like, hey, why don't we just have a date with a ghost? Invite a ghost for dinner. Three dinner for three. Are you gonna get stood up though? Oh, that's the beauty of it, right? You never know. <laughs> you never know. So it says, now an experienced investigator of everything from haunted castles to dungeons and tunnels, Debbie realized the spirit had attached himself to her in 2012. After a local church refused to banish him, she sought help from a medium who advised her to let go of the negative energy that was attracting it. Church is like, you're on your own. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm reminded of... I. I kind of like came to mind the movie Casper where everyone's trying to get rid of the ghosts, the uncle ghosts, and they all get driven out by them. Mm -hmm. And one of them is Dan Aykroyd as a ghostbuster. It's like, he can't even do, you don't remember this? Literally the only thing I remember I've (laughs) spoken about this on the show before was I saw Casper (laughs) in the movie theater and there's a scene where like a construction company, I think they're trying to destroy the house or something like that. There's like this loud noise. And it scared the absolute shit out of me. I dropped my popcorn. <laughs> it was just so loud. Yeah, there's a scene where it's like, it's uh, Dan Aykroyd as a Ghostbuster going in and then he's running out like, oh, I can't handle these ghosts. Faintly remember that. So is Casper in the Ghostbusters universe? He must then, be. Presumably? Yeah, and apparently his uncles are so bad that not even Ghostbusters can handle them, which... Immediately pissed me off, by the way, when I saw that. I was like, there's no way the Ghostbusters would run away from those fools. <laughs> the, the lovable Casper uncle ghost. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's character had sex with one. <laughs> Not the uncles, but in Ghostbusters. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that scene's not talked about enough. <laughs> he wrote the movie, so he wrote himself having sex with a ghost. <laughs> Let's let's talk more about Ghostbusters. (laughs) This is just detailing um, what Debbie does, right? She's she started her own ghost uh, hunting or uh, investigation group company, and she and her newfound soulmate go on paranormal dates together. That's that's pretty much what that says. Uh, so they, they talked about one of the the most recent ones being a very intense experience on April 30th. It says the most terrifying yet in Fort Whitley near Portsmouth, Hampshire. Is that Portsmouth? Portsmouth. Yeah. Portsmouth. Debbie and a group of 24 ghost hunters ventured into the coal tunnels beneath the reputedly haunted building, only to be frightened witless by a thunderous roar that reverberated all around them at 2 a.m. Despite her vast experience investigating the paranormal, even Debbie was shocked to the core by the degree of aggression she says it conveyed. She said, I've never before in all my time of doing this experienced that level of aggression coming from the tunnels. It was so loud, it was giving a terrifying message. I think the spirits wanted us to uh, out of the tunnels. They wanted us to run out, and we did. I've often ha- heard the spirits shouting, get out, repeatedly during investigations. But to hear such aggression was significant and something I'd never seen before. And then now we get the her her origin story, as, uh, as one would say. 
Debbie first became aware of her psychic senses as a child when she would often feel a presence, but she began to have visitations during the night when she was in her 20s, which became concerning. She said, I could always feel presences in places. I could feel strangers, but I would dismiss them. I could also see spirits. It was scary at times, but other times it just wasn't. I would just brush it off and then the spirits would move on. I used to get terrible visitations when I tried to sleep, which is more frustrating than it was scary. I would see rows and rows of people as far as the eyes can see, but I could never see their faces and they were all white and cloudy. Nothing was ever defined, but you could tell they were people and they were always jostling and demanding my attention. They needed my help. I would always tell them to go away. Then, in November 2012, Debbie's life changed forever after a spirit attached itself to her and refused to leave her alone for over a year. She says she actually feared for her life as the spirit, which was initially invisible but eventually turned into an ominous shadow, would taunt her by moving items around and eventually became aggressive and dragged her down the stairs. I'm going to stop right here and ask you, have you ever heard of ghosts? being able to materialize at least into a shadow shape from originally being invisible i suppose that the, the idea is that sh- the the ghost i just i don't know what she means by invisible like that would like that would imply that the figure some sort of presence is still in its like friggin bilbo with the ring on in the hobbits like running around moving around stuff in her house but the ominous shadow, like, would just be its physical form, in a sense, showing itself. Mm-hmm. I, I, I suppose her argument is she could see things happening, but there's nothing there. But other times she'd see a shadow. I don't know how she, like, I'm not sure why she even mentions it. <laughs> because, um... It's an odd thing to say. Because, like, the... the 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 nature of a ghost would be like sometimes you see them sometimes you don't right why would this one be inherently invisible first like she, the way she's wording it is it, it its true form was invisible and then it became it decided i'm not invisible anymore <laughs> yeah not that it was just inherently a ghost that can and cannot be seen at certain times it says terrified she turned to various tor- churches for help but says no one knew what to do she said the spirit just wouldn't go away. The haunting got particularly bad, and it was poltergeist haunting, a spirit that causes physical disturbances. So objects would be moved, things would fly around, and I even got attacked. I was pushed down the stairs and dragged by my ankles. This happened four or five times. And one time it was even witnessed by a friend who ran out of the house. I was literally stalked for a year. How do you feel about this d- ghost dragging her down the stairs? Several times. Well, my main concern is the friend ran away. <laughs> the Hopefully friend, not a friend anymore. The friend saw her fall like, on me. Nope. I'm out. <laughs> Friendship done. I'm out. I can't be friends with you anymore because a ghost pulled you. I can't imagine. I see somebody, let's say they accidentally slip while going downstairs and they just fall. And I go, oh my God, a ghost. And I just <laughs> run. And you run away. What if the person's really hurt? <laughs> you left them to die. <laughs> Um, but the, the repeated pulling you down the steps, I think after like the third time, I don't think I'd go on the steps anymore either because it's my own doing and I don't, I can't do steps anymore or there is a ghost pulling me down the steps and I don't want that to occur, to occur a few more times at all. 
uh, going down the steps sucks. <laughs> and then you get, you get, she got pushed and then dragged by the ankles. So presumably she gets pushed down the stairs at the bottom of the flight of stairs. Then she starts getting pulled multiple times. Angel. <laughs> <laughs> It gets weirder because then she goes on to say that the spirit was a bit taller than I was, around five seven, five foot seven inches, and quite wide. There was a weight to him, which is funny to say about a spirit. It's like the more she talks about this thing, the more real it sounds. Like it's like a person. Like there's an actual person that stalked her, and she somehow it's got it's got some girth to it. She <laughs> described a fat ghost. She, it's it almost. Like, I don't want to belittle or demean anything she's saying, but it almost sounds like she was stalked by an actual person and she made it to become a ghost. Like, she just said, oh, it's a ghost. Like, uh, as a way to process it? Yeah. But that would mean if a five foot seven wide person got into her house multiple times and yeah. pushed her down the stairs and dragged her. Yeah. <laughs> What's the end game there? I don't know. Maybe she screamed out a ghost one time and he's like, she thinks I'm a ghost. Okay. <laughs> Oh, God. It's even more horrifying. <laughs> I mean, like, how do you, how can you, how can a ghost have a height now? Like, I don't know. I just, to me, that's never been a thing. Like, oh, ghosts, this ghost is six foot tall. And consistently, too. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she, uh, long story short, she eventually f- uh, finds a medium that says, let go of negative energy. And this is what enlightened her, I guess. And then she started her own ghost hunting ghost paranormal investigation services or group thing yep ghost to ghost and it's all fun and games now i guess they all do it for fun yep went from a horrible experience to turning around to a a profession and the love of her life too yep and she found the love of her life so i guess it all worked out in the end and she even says i believe these things happened for a reason she did. Uh, I do want to point out that she mentions that this, uh, she's had spirits telling her to F off and even been called the C word. <laughs> Those are mean ghosts. Right? This is uh, the first um, time I've seen something like this. Because, uh, well, the next article we're going to get into, there's no mention of any mean ghosts doing things like that. Yeah. So, overall, what did you think of this? harrowing tale of this woman's origin stories as a ghost mm-hmm. hunting um like i suppose i do i appreciate her turning a negative experience around to a positive one i appreciate that sort of outlook on an experience the medium's wisdom of letting go any negative energy i mean i think if that was the medium's suggestion i would have thought f you <laughs> just like the ghost <laughs> said to her no. I need I need more to go on here than just releasing and letting go. She got she got frozen. Let it go is what the medium <laughs> told her. Yes. Um, but and, uh, and that movie had just come out, huh? <laughs> this is in 2012. That movie came out in uh, 2013. Hmm. Maybe <laughs> maybe the medium saw it in the future. <laughs> she, she got got wind of the script. Um, <laughs> One other thing that she says was that the spirit took over my life. I thought I was going completely mad. It got to a stage where it didn't matter where I was. He would appear and perform. He started moving objects to scare me and get my attention, which was witnessed by my friends and even colleagues at work. Can you imagine being in a situation where you're at work and 
a six foot or five foot seven wide ghost <laughs> appears and starts doing shit. <laughs> It just starts messing with you? Not even you, just your coworker. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. She gets pushed down the steps at, the, at work. And you don't help, you run away. Because apparently that's what you have to do. And a proper <laughs> response in this situation. But uh, she even says, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. They were just shocked. Good for her. Turned it around. Made it into ghost to ghost. And their little symbol looks sort of like the Ghostbuster symbol <laughs> but bigger <laughs> and no no x on it and that that article we have um we have a friendly a helpful medium in this next article there's no mention of mediums but we're going to dive deep into the person that this article is talking about despite what they may tell you I, I sense a deep hatred of mediums. We'll discuss that a little bit further in. It's the the yin and yang of mediums <laughs> in your news articles here. <laughs> yeah. So this article is uh, titled, Investigator Says Paranormal Calls Went Up During Pandemic. So this is a Raleigh, North Carolina. Are, are ghosts and spirits real? Does anyone know for sure? One Raleigh woman says she's confident they exist in one form or another. And she says she's hardly the one who believes this. It's as silent as the grave in City Cemetery of Raleigh on a cool October evening. Amid the dark night, headstones line the cemetery grounds in rows, marking the final resting places for those buried beneath. And old oaks and other trees with twisting branches are scattered about the property. It's a spooky scene for most, but not for Alex Matsuo. We are going to do a brief ghost hunt, Matsuo said. I'm using all this equipment to detect changes in the environment. Matsuo is a paranormal investigator with horror stories of her own. I had experiences when I was a kid, and then I had a really intense experience when I was 19 or 20 years old, Matsuo said. She says those encounters, coupled with limited knowledge of her experiences with Spirits led her to a life wrapped around investigations that involve interacting with the paranormal world. She starts every ghost hunt by recording the date and her location. Then Matsuo uses a motion detection device to track any responding spirits. She says if it emits a ringing sound, something could be, ring, uh, could be nearby. I do like this equipment because it looks like a lantern, which for the deceased, if assuming from the 1700s or 1800s, that's something more familiar to them, Matsuo said. I don't know why familiarity of technology is a, an important thing for ghosts. Do you have any insight on this? <clears throat> yes, I do. So uh, there is a theory that uh, a specific object can be called what's a trigger object. That would be something that's uh, an object that would have been in their lives at the time that they were alive. So for instance, say they're in the Wild West, a trigger object could be like a revolver or a a deck of playing cards if they were into playing poker or something to that effect. So there's an idea that they would be more familiar compared to the alien nature of a voice recorder, that they would have, have never had any concept of what the hell it is that you're holding or a video camera or something to that effect. They wouldn't know it's the it's the concept angel of the the natives and the Colum Columbus's ships. They they couldn't see the ships. <laughs> the ghosts see can't it. see the uh, voice recorder or the camera. Is the uh, the likening of that another trigger object? Could be like say if you're investigating children, they have a like a teddy bear or something to like that effect. Something that they would have had in their lives to make them feel more emotionally connected, possibly to 
uh, interact with. Could I use these trigger objects as a form of time travel? Like, if I use bones, can I get cavemen ghosts? See, that's the hard part here about ghosts in general. It's, it seems very, like, Victorian age up until, like, the 1920s. And then there aren't any other ghosts, at least in, like, that I'm aware of, out, outside of, like, European ages. Like, maybe if you're in Europe, sometimes you get, like, medieval ghosts or monks or something like that. I suppose it's, like, connected to your area, but it's very specific. I said it to my uh, friends the other uh, few weeks ago. You don't really see, like, Rastafarian ghosts. <laughs> maybe, maybe we need to build a ghost train tracks that travel around the world. That's And that's how the ghosts can travel. And we could see them more. So, like, a, a, ghost, a ghost from the Yucatan could come to, like, Siberia or something and <laughs> haunt there. <laughs> okay, so she, she goes on, uh, the, the article goes on to say, she also uses a device called a melmeter, which detects EMF and temperature. It's detecting changes that's happening. And if we do have a spooky experience, we can look at the melmeter and see if something is going on, Matsuo said. Matsuo says she's investigated City Cemetery of Rally several times and believes it's haunted. Encountered different things, especially like a shadow that's been described as like a guardian of the cemetery, Matsuo said. And it's not just cemeteries. Matsuo says there was an influx of clientele during the pandemic. People were home more often than they used to be, than they used to being. Uh, I think that meant to say than they're used to being. Uh, so I think they were noticing more things happening, said Matsuo. When Matsuo goes to a client's house, she brings the same equipment with her and stays for hours. If it's a spirit or ghost and we assume they're people, they're not going to come out and say hello right away. We'll have the client tour the home with us and uh, where they encountered activities, she said. Matsuo is also the author of several ghost hunting books. And she's got a website. What do you think of that? Pandemic... Uh, made more uh, paranormal calls i do get the concept here that people would be in their homes more often so they might there, there'd be a better chance to be experiencing something that'd be occurring in your home because otherwise you'd be out at work or something or out on vacation other at the other side of the coin here being in your home more often you might be hearing things that are normal for your home but you're not accustomed to because you're not there all the time so it could be a an idea of you're hearing things that are foreign to you, but to the house itself is normal, and your interpretation of them is, is though well, this is odd, what the hell could it be? But her argument that people are, are home more often, so they could be experiencing paranormal activity more often. I, ha I had chosen these two articles. I, I highlighted them because you may have guessed it, Matt. But you and I are going to do some ghost hunting from our very own recording studio. As, as we just found out, if the pandemic caused more calls and people are, being, are at home more often, then that means that they were probably experiencing these things at home. So we're going to try to find out if we have any paranormal <laughs> creatures at home. Uh, hold, hold on a moment here. <laughs> I know for a fact you've heard more noises. <laughs> in your house <laughs> than uh since what 2020 or so um <laughs> bangs and smells and all sorts of things going on yeah but this is different <laughs>
We're going to need a guide, though. And who will that guide be? It's going to be Alex Matsuo herself through her book, The Brave Mortal's Guide to Ghost Hunting. That's right. She's written several books, as mentioned in the article, and I have acquired one of them. In it, she talks about ghost hunting and how it's an inclusive activity and brings in people from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Also, she doesn't like psychics, despite her telling us otherwise. Seriously, she calls them tools first and foremost. It's it's inclusive, but not for psychics. <laughs> she's, she says ghosts are people, but mediums are tools. Make, do with that what you will. It's like Merriam-Webster <laughs> saying no to the sports, <laughs> the, whatever the news stands for. Just she roasted. <laughs> she also hates the term ghost hunting. So she what? prefers... Actually, I don't know what she prefers. She doesn't say anything about what word she prefers. She just says she doesn't like the term ghost hunting. Because if you replace the word ghost with people, it's like people hunting. And that's not what she does. She does not hunt people. At least that's what she wrote. <laughs> like, I'm, I suppose, like, the idea that you're hunting, like, hunting to kill. Yeah, but... she she writes, a, uh, she wrote a joke about how when she hears the word, word ghost hunting, she thinks of Elmer Fudd saying, be very, very quiet. I'm hunting spirits. <laughs> that sounds like one of your responses. If I said, are you ready? You would <laughs> say that. Are you saying that Alex and I are kindred spirits? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she says, treat ghosts with respect and announces to them her boundaries so that they do not cross those boundaries. And she also hates when ghost hunters, quote unquote, provoke the ghosts Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that uh, a little bit further in in order to begin we must prepare ahead of time so no drinking alcohol that's one of the Uh, too late (laughs) (laughs) we we could just ignore that and uh, we need some tools like an emf detector i downloaded an emf detector app on my phone and oh no alex says the phone apps are bad but she doesn't know how they work does she and i quote your phone was built to have access to the internet and to read certain signals for 4G so you can call, text, and use data from the nearest cell phone tower, not look for ghosts. But my phone has a magnetometer. I don't know how you say that. Magnetometer? Magnetometer? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the app claims to use this sensor to detect the waves. And you, will, and you know what? I believe it. It's the same sensor that is used for uh, the compass and other fun things i don't know i think i'm gonna go with the the app i do not have an emf i suppose for her argument a a a true emf detector should be detecting electromagnetic fields but the phone wasn't designed to do that i guess is her argument we'll see we'll see well well yeah we'll see (laughs) also we can't use cameras because again alex says what orbs are not ghosts but Sorry. Is it the, the only ex- thing you can get on camera? Is an orb? The I'm expert sorry. has weighed in. Sorry. Severely <laughs> limiting yourself and your tools, Alex. We've got uh, we've got our microphone, so the audio stuff is 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 good to go. But listen, Alex said everyone is welcome to do this ghost hunting stuff, and I feel I feel that includes those of us that are probably not as well equipped as the so-called professionals i think we can bypass some of these uh, requirements that she's having us do because you know ghost hunting is for is all about the friends we make along the way you son of a bitch. 
<laughs> Finally, we don't want ghosts attaching themselves to us. However, since we're not going anywhere, we're assuming the ghosts are already here. So that 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 gets, you know, checklist off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we interact with ghosts, we have a few rules. No provocation. Well, I guess that's the only rule. Don't annoy. She she has them list these uh the provocations listed as tiers. So I'm going to give them to you in the order of I guess uh, escalation. Annoyance, invalidation, demoralized or intimidation. So don't do any of those things. So don't taunt the ghost. Don't pretty much, yeah. Um I'll read to you a quote. The most effective approach that I've employed and will continue to do so until it doesn't work anymore, is approaching with empathy. This strategy works for me when it comes to interacting with human spirits as well as the more benevolent inhuman entities. When you can gain the trust of the presence, you can have a much more productive interaction with the spirit. Also, she writes a story about how being aggressive bit them in the butts, and that their medium... Butts? (laughs) <laughs> was the only one saying they shouldn't have been aggressive. Is this why she hates mediums? Is she being petty? Uh, well, uh, against her argument here, there is an argument that being aggressive is what gets response from the entity. So the idea being, say you go into a, let's say, a plantation, and you're trying to find ghosts of, uh, the, you're trying to make contact with the master of the house. You could provoke them by invoking, like, you're going, you're saying you're going to free his slaves or something to that effect. You're going to burn down his plantation, and you, so you better react now or else. And that's how some people argue that they are able to get a response from a ghost, is by making that threat to a ghost. I just... She, she, again, limits herself with her <laughs> rules on making contact. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things that she's uh, very limiting on, like not to use the tech, this, uh, the apps. And there's uh, a lot cameras? of things. <laughs> there's a lot of things in this book that is interesting to me because it doesn't sound like it's a ghost hunter. They're just saying, don't do these things. Don't. Just stop ghost hunting altogether. (laughs) (laughs) Read my book, but, you know, you shouldn't do this. (laughs) So, anyway, I'm going to show you my app, and I'm going to hit record. So, there's a field, a min-max, and a XYZ grid. Yep. We're going to plot the grid? Oh, it's plotting it for us. Well, maybe not the grid, but it's giving us the plot points. So we have a three-dimensional grid we could make <laughs> to find out exactly where it is. Yeah, we could. Uh, although I don't know what the reference is outside of what it's reading. It doesn't matter. This is this, this is going to work this way. It's going to work. <laughs> Since we're ghost hunting and I got the EMF, I think it's fair for you, Matt, to ask the ghost an empathetic question. In the name of empathy and of what Alex stands for, I want to be in the vein of consent. The theme of consent here, I'll ask the ghost, can I ask you a question? Yes. Did anything happen? Am Doesn't I supposed look to like keep it. asking? Yeah, ask one more. Are you standing behind Angel? Are you 5'7 and wide? We know it's not the ghost that was haunting Debbie. <laughs> All right, I think that's uh, 
enough information. So, I think we have enough data. Finally, <laughs> in the final uh, bits of the, of the book, now we have to review our evidence. We'll do that later, though. According to her, you would have hours of investigative material and mm -hmm. then present it to friends and neighbors and whoever else is into this stuff. And there we have it. That's it for our ghost hunting segment. We don't get to see what the app did? <laughs> the app did absolutely nothing. <laughs> Son of a bitch. It means she was that right. She was right. You can't use the app. It means that there was no spikes in our EMF field, or at least my EMF field. <laughs> there you have it, man. Okay. I, I don't, I don't know if I've actually talked about it on this show, but I have, I have been on multiple ghost hunts before. I don't even know if I mentioned this to you, Angel, but of all the things that we talk about on this show, ghosts are the one thing that I would have a belief in, but. I am not definitive on that, on what the meaning of the word ghost would be of, you know, somebody from 1712 that died by suicide or something like that. And now they're haunting a house. I don't know, like specifically, like, is it a spirit? Like the soul of the person just reenacting their life and walking through a house or something like that. I, I have no explanation or, and, and would never dare to explain what the hell that is, but uh, I find it very fascinating, and I have been on investigations using video and taunting and things of that <laughs> nature, the things that she advises against, and have experienced very odd things that I have no explanation for. For instance, uh, I, with two of my friends, investigated Fort Mifflin in Philadelphia. There was an instance where we were in the armory, in Fort Mifflin and we were just talking we weren't doing any sort of investigation at all we had a voice recorder going and we we're uh, sort of just like talking about where we're going to go next uh, I think I asked a question and somebody else said yeah and the other person said affirmed and then there was a third voice that was not anyone else in our grouping it was a, a female voice that said yeah and I have no explanation for that said like it was a clear as day voice we also encountered a what sounded to be harmonica when we were in one of the officers quarters and i looked into it and at the time that fort mifflin was in use harmonicas had not been invented yet so i don't know what sort of the the ghost train went through and it was somebody else on the train angel <laughs> going through so i don't know what that could have been and there's some other very weird things the show ghost hunters was there as well and they had a uh, encounter where on their cameras they recorded somebody sounded like a small child saying mama we recreated the same exact thing uh, and heard the same voice so don't know what it is not saying that of course that it is paranormal but we we're able to get the same exact thing that did not sound like any animal that i know but sounded like a child saying mama unexplained things that's I'm not necessarily attributing to a spirit of a like a soul of a dead person in the grounds of Fort Mifflin but it's weird and it's fun it's to go out there and try to like put yourself out there and do something different that you'd never normally would do it was a lot of fun like uh, Rondonautica mm-hmm until you find a dead body in a suitcase in <laughs> Seattle and you're like ah oh, shit I don't want to do Rondonautica anymore <laughs> 
yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. I think we're now a, a, a paranormal investigation podcast. <laughs> if you keep using the app, we're not going to be a very good one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll upgrade once we get, you know, funding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, we're losing money. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the red. I need help. <laughs> One final thing about the article, of course, being unintentionally, I had mentioned Sir Walter Raleigh before <laughs> in the search for El Dorado, and we mm-hmm. went to a story in Raleigh, North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, it writes itself. <laughs> All right, curiosities. It's time to get out of that casket, get a chunk of moon rock, and take you and your spirits on down to Twitter and tweet at us oh, at Cracking Curios. That was a lot of news shoes to wear there in that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> You know what? Just have fun with it. Just send us a message and and include any kind of hashtag and uh, make sure you include ha- uh, crack cryptids as well. But sure, just make up your own. Oh, I forgot the one hashtag six seven eight. Maybe I can't remember part of the, <laughs> the beeper, beeper code, code, but it was my own. <laughs> I've already forgotten. <laughs> Yep. So don't use that hashtag. <laughs> we won't find it. And then you can uh, do all those things I said earlier and then head on over to Instagram and find us at Cracking Cryptids. And hey, you can send us a message on there too. I've already uh, been having conversations with uh, one of our greatly admiring uh, fans. That could be you. <laughs> Curiosity. <laughs> Sound like, a, to, sound like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> talking to one of us. If you think that's a punishment, then don't message us, please. <laughs> and, and in the world of social media, though, we're living a renaissance of daily themed postings, Angel. So uh, we are posting every Monday some fun meme. Tuesdays are... <laughs> fun is relative. <laughs> Tuesday's our movie suggestion, movie suggestion Tuesday. Uh, we've got 1800, 1880s Wednesdays, whatever. <laughs> 1880s, that's very specific. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote 1880s. 1800s Wednesday. <laughs> I think you guys know what that means. Throwback Thursdays, where we give you an old episode of ours for you to listen to because maybe you should listen to it again and it's fun. <laughs> I've and forgotten what we talked about. You probably have too. <laughs> yep. Most importantly, we have Friday Frakes Photoshop in which we produce a Photoshop image of Jonathan Frakes on Friday. Because <laughs> why not? Why not? <laughs> and... Special bonus, Saturday, you get some Matterday Saturday's Matt facts. That's that's facts about Matt, because everyone knows about my hobbies, but we don't know nothing about Matt. I'm a man of mystery. <laughs> Not anymore. You know, uh, side story here. Way back in, in, I think I was in 11th grade, I was in a psychology class, and we had to write down... Like you had a piece of paper on your desk and each person had to go like musical chairs basically throughout the room and go to somebody else's desk. And you had to write down a single word that described the person that you were uh, sitting at at their desk. And somebody wrote on my paper, Angel, they wrote mysterious. (laughs) 
Somebody used mysterious to describe me. There you have it. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> it happened. You were born mysterious. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, we do have an email, crackingcryptidsandcurios at gmail.com. It can be used for lots of things like writing text messages in long form. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Got a long form beeper <laughs> message. We're on every podcast platform. Curiosities know this already. But tell your friends. And tell them the same thing we tell you. Hey, they're on any platform you can possibly think of. Just just throw one out there. And yeah, we're on that one. And if we're not on that one, send us a message. And finally, as always, goodbye. I love you. And I'm tucking you in. This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. What?